Hi, this is Sarit Switzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 417 for the 20th of TVs in a regular year. I once heard a story about a shliach in Florida, I believe, though if anybody is familiar with the story and wants to correct me with any of the details, please feel free to do so. But in any event, there was once the shliach who was going around on Friday afternoon trying to get people to put on tefillin. And, you know, as a very common practice, many people, you're most likely familiar with this, where uh, Chabad Chassidim will go around asking people on the street, are you Jewish? Do you want to put on tefillin? You know, that kind of thing. So this shliach was doing this, and he was actually walking on the beach because he knew that this was a good place where a lot of people were hanging out, and he might find a lot of Jews. So he came across a man who looked kind of Jewish, who looked maybe Israeli or something like that. And he asked him if he was Jewish. And lo and behold, the guy was Jewish. And he said to him, would you like to put on tefillin? And the man replied, oh, Rabbi, I can't put on tefillin. He said, if I were to put on tefillin, I would be such a hypocrite. And the rabbi said to him, what do you mean? And this man said, well, you know, I don't keep Shabbos. You know, I don't even keep Yom Kippur. I eat on Yom Kippur. I watch TV on Shabbos. I don't keep kosher. So if I were to put on tefillin, like that's how could I do that? That's that's so hypocritical of me. That's I, I and I don't want to be a hypocrite. It's not right. So the rabbi smiled and looked at this man and he replied and he said, no, no, no. He said, you have it all backwards. He said, when you're putting on tefillin, that's when you're being your real self. When you're doing those other activities, doing things that a Jew is not supposed to do, that's when you're being a hypocrite. And with that reasoning, with that logic, then the man had nothing left to say to the shliach and he conceded and he said, you know what, you're right. And he put on tefillin. So it's a nice story. It's very moving on a lot of different levels. But if we break down what was going on exactly, what is it? uh, What's another term that we could use for what was going on in this Jewish man's head when he saw this rabbi and he he felt this resistance to put on tefillin? Well, there's a term for this that is very popular, which most of us are familiar with, which is imposter syndrome. Most of us have experienced it at some point in our lives, right? What's imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome is where you're in a situation and you know that you are presenting in a certain way or you're expected to present in a certain way, but you feel like your insides don't match your outsides and it makes you feel uncomfortable and it makes you feel like you're going to be exposed. So one prominent example that comes to mind for me where I experienced this was in the early days when I first started teaching yoga. 
So those of you who know me personally know that I am a certified yoga instructor. I actually don't teach anymore, but I did teach for many years. And way back in the beginning, when I first started teaching yoga, so I was sort of just getting, you know, my feet wet in in the teaching yoga world. And in the beginning, it was sort of like very um, comfortable in the sense that most of my clients, or pretty much all of my clients, were people in Crown Heights were people I knew, you know, people in the community and who really didn't have a lot of experience with yoga out there in the real world and everything. So it felt very safe. It felt very (laughs) non-intimidating. But then what happened is that one day a Chabad house in Park Slope found out about my teaching abilities and they were doing some kind of program for women in the neighborhood and they decided, decided to hire me to teach a yoga class. And boy, did I feel a sense of imposter syndrome because Park Slope, for those of you that are familiar with Brooklyn, with New York, you know, is a very different type of feeling than Lubavitch, Hasidisha, you know, Crown Heights. Park Slope is very yuppie, you know, very with it, very, you know, a yoga studio on every other block. So my impression was like, oh, wow, these women probably have been doing yoga for a long time. They probably know, quote unquote, the real deal. And little old me, I'm going to be coming in, teaching them this yoga class, like as if I know what's going at what I'm talking about. And what do I know? Like it's, this is so embarrassing, you know, but I knew I had to overcome this at some point. Right. And I had to deal with this somehow to be able to teach the class. So before teaching the class, I really, I sat down and sort of had like a little meditation session with myself where I really sat down and I, I said to myself, first of all, these people that you're going to teach don't know you at all. For all they know, maybe you are this real quote unquote yoga teacher who's been doing this for many years. They don't know that, right? So if so, as long as you, if you give off that impression that that's who you are, there's no reason for them to doubt you. Secondly, you know, yes, you know, you might not be perfect. You might still have a lot that you need to know and learn and everything like that. But you did do a yoga teacher training. You've been doing yoga for quite a while. So you do know know something. You have something to give over. So, you know, don't doubt yourself so much. Like just teach what you need to teach. So fast forward, uh, long story short, I taught the class and it was great and everybody loved it. Was it perfect? No, but that's okay. As the saying goes, perfection is the enemy of progress. We can't, if we hold ourselves up to too high standards, we're never going to get anything done. So why am I bringing all of this up today in a Tanya class? Because this is the topic that we're going to be discussing today in terms of how it relates to our service of God, our relationship with God. So if you've been following along the past few episodes uh, and really, you know, for the past, pretty much from the beginning of the Tanya so far, there's been a lot of discussion about the different categories of Jews, different categories of of Jews according to their spiritual standing in terms of their relationship with God. And as of late, the past couple of episodes, we've been talking about this idea of the difference between a Benoni and a Tzaddik and how externally they can actually appear to be very similar because both a Benoni and a Tzaddik never ever sin, not in thought, not in speech, and not in action. They never do anything that's against the will of God. A Benoni, who's this on this lower level, this intermediate person, could even be the type of person who spends their entire life praying and learning and all that kind of stuff. But yet, why is it that they're not a Tariq? Because their inside doesn't match the outside, meaning to say that while their behavior might be 100% correct, and maybe even their conscious thoughts are totally in line with God, their inner, inner impulses, their inner being, their true quote unquote nature 
you know, has not been really transformed. They don't honestly hate uh, materialistic reality. They don't have an aversion to chocolate and, you know, to um, the other temptations of the world. Sure, they might be in control of these temptations to a very large degree, but the temptations are still there. And they're they're literally just beneath the surface. Like we, we spoke about yesterday, we called yesterday's episode the sleeping beast. That just like the moment they stop praying, the moment they, they're not involved in Torah study anymore, there are those temptations once again. Versus a tzaddik no longer has those temptations. They have killed off the temptations. They truly, truly do not, they're not swayed by the world at all. And in fact, for a complete tzaddik, any temptations that such a regular a regular person might have for worldly things, they've actually succeeded in transforming these passions um, towards God. So it's not only that they've killed off the temptations, but they actually are truly passionate only and solely for God. So imposter syndrome really comes up in terms of this vanity, because a vanity, as much as like, yes, this is something that we're all striving for. This is this book that we're learning is called Safer Shil Bainani, the book of the Bainani. We're left with a sort of weird quandary. Like we're left with kind of it's it's it would be very understandable if a bainani, you know, like Rabba called himself a bainani, or he thought he could have been a bainani, right? It would be very understandable for a bainani to feel a sense of imposter syndrome because here they are, you know, walking around, walking the walk, talking the talk, thinking the thought, uh, you know, but uh, their true being has not actually transformed. They have the same struggles as always. This, the struggles don't get any easier. They don't get any weaker. If anything, they might get stronger. This reminds me a little bit of the idea of exposure therapy. You know, a lot of people think exposure therapy is like this really amazing thing in, in, in psychology, and it could be useful for certain uh, situations, but there's quite a bit of evidence that exposure therapy does not help in many, in many situations. I recently heard Tim Ferriss speak on a podcast about his fear of heights and how he tried to expose himself to heights in all kinds of different fashions, bungee jumping, you know, going rock climbing, things like that. And nevertheless, he still has the same fear of heights that he's always had. And if anything, it might be stronger than ever. So, so much for exposure therapy, so much for, you know, walking, walk, talking the talk, uh, you know, act a certain way and you'll become that way. Like, you know, well, th there might be some truth to it to a certain extent that can, that, that can only take you so far. And it doesn't always happen. Sometimes, Really, it's only the outside that changes and it's not the inside. So if that's the case, then we can be left feeling quite despondent because then what's the point of it all? Like if we're not actually serving God with a sense of truth, if we're just like, you know, um, acting as if putting on a show, then how can we really say that our service of God is a real service, is a, is a true connection? We're, we're just being fakers the whole time, right? So what's that all about? And how do we resolve this? So this is the question that the Altar Rebbe is going to address in today's section of the Tanya, and uh, and he's going to ultimately resolve it. And we'll see that the resolution comes about by coming to understand the meaning of truth and the profundity of that uh, of of what truth is, and how there's something about this idea of truth or in Hebrew emet or MS in Hebrew, which um, depending on your accent, uh, which is, has this like very deep penetrating and all encompassing nature whereby nobody, not even Sadiqim can claim to have a monopoly over the truth. Truth is something that's accessible to everybody. 
on their level. So a way to kind of understand this is if you think about school and you think about like, let's say different grades or different levels in schools. So let's say you have like a second grader and you have a sixth grader and they're both taking a test and they're both taking a math test and both of them get an A plus on their math test. That's amazing, right? Now, can we then say that the sixth grader and the second grader are exactly the same and they have the exact same knowledge? Like, hey, they both got an A plus, right? Well, we know that that's not true because we know that, you know, what you're learning in sixth grade, what you're learning in second grade is going to be very different material. On the other hand, they, it is similar in, in the sense that they both aced their level. The second grader is just as much to be commended and congratulated for getting that A plus as the sixth grader is to be getting that A plus, maybe even more so. Maybe the second grader had to work really, really extra hard to get that A plus, whereas for the sixth grader, it wasn't even so hard. So that A plus can be thought of as sort of like the truth that we're all trying to attain. And while yes, you know, there is this kind of like supernal truth that like this the, the way that Tzadikim live is their insides match their outsides and it's like this amazing thing and they're living so holistically and so uh, such a complete and full life. That might not be accessible to all of us, but at the same time, that doesn't diminish our truth, you know? Just like going back to Lahavdil, that analogy of me being a yoga teacher, you know, at that time, was I this teacher that had been, been teaching for 20 years and whatever? No, but that doesn't mean that the way that I was teaching yoga wasn't true, that I was being an imposter, that I was being a faker, you know, God forbid. I was doing the best that I could given the tools and the education and experience that I had. So that's going to be the basic, basic message of today's Tanya is that, you know, you're not an imposter when you're trying to do your best, when you're behaving in the right way, even if the insides don't match the outsides a hundred percent, there's a truth there. And especially when it comes to those moments when you pray or when you are involved in Torah study, which as we've described are moments when the Benoni can actually attain this internal level of love of God in, the, in a true passionate way, like they're sort of tapping into that level of a tzaddik, those moments have an eternal quality to them. It, it's, it's a moment of actual truth in a true and literal and objective sense. So with that being said, let's go and exa examine uh, the text and see how the Alter Rebbe explains all of this. So uh, for context, we're in the middle of chapter 13 of Likutei Amarim. And now the Alter Rebbe begins by, um, by telling us that this attribute of love that the Benoni attains during prayer when their godly soul uh, attains prominence over the animal soul, like we described yesterday. So in comparison to tzaddikim who serve God in true truth, then the love of the Benoni cannot be called a, a true service. Why not? Because as we described, after the, the Benoni stops praying, it leaves and it goes away. And we know that for something that's truly true, the Altarba brings a pasuk to, uh, he cites a pasuk to describe true truth. From This is from Mishlei chapter 12, verse 19. Sfat emet la'ad ve'ad l'shon shakir. Which literally translates to mean the language of truth shall be, shall be established forever, but the tongue of falsehood is only momenta momentary. So meaning to say, truth has an eternal component to it. So, you know, you think about this in, in modern day society, right? Like, like there's all kinds of different fads, all kinds of different philosophies that rise up and fall down and all kinds of things like that. But when something's true, 
then it's true across the board. We see like there's certain core wisdoms that uh, certain books, certain philosophies that just like stand the test of time. And that's how we know that that's a classic. That's a true truth. Something that's true is not time bound. It's not going to be just a fad versus something that's a falsehood is a fad. It's something that just kind of is there and might be like really inspiring for the moment, but then it goes away, right? So what the ultra Rabbit is basically saying is what this implies is that when we talk about the service of the Bainerni, it seems like it's not actually true. And it, in fact, in comparison to the service of the Tzadikim, it's not because the service, service of a Tzadik has a permanence to it that the service of a, of a Bainerni doesn't. Nevertheless, says the ultra Rabbit, and here's where he's going to make us feel a little bit better. He says that uh, we can still call the service of the Benoni and Avodatama, which a perfect service, when we're talking about it on their level, right? Just like, again, we talk about the second grader and we talk about the sixth grader. For the second grader who gets an A+, plus, yes, it's not the same A+, plus as the sixth grader, but for the second play grader, it's an A+. Plus. It's totally an A+, plus, 100% A+. Plus. There's nothing diminished about it at all. So each person has a different level in this level, right? So within uh, the uh, the Benoni, the category of the Benoni, there are many different levels. And each level that a person's at can attain their own personal level of truth. And Altarabba says that he terms their prayer, he terms their service during prayer, also this this uh, language of truth will sh which shall be established forever he says there's a permanence there what's the permanence so how can we say that it's permanent if we just literally said that after they stop praying it goes away so he says okay maybe it goes away sure but every single day they have they their godly soul has the power to go back and to arouse this feeling of love forever and ever um, and they can do this over and over again through preparing themselves properly, properly, each person according to their level, which points to a permanence. Like if you can continuously arouse something, it means that there's, that it's always there, you know? Now the ultra rabbit goes on and he speaks about why it is that the attribute of truth is considered to be the attribute of Yaakov. So this is a, you know, a famous idea in Judaism that each one of the patriarchs had different, had a different attribute that was associated with them. So, you know, the attribute of Chesed is associated with Avraham, the attribute of Gvura is associated with Yitzchak, and the attribute of truth is associated with Yaakov. So why is it associated with Yaakov? Well, so Yaakov is referred to in the Zohar as being the middle bolt, which secures everything from end to end. So um, this is a reference to in the in the Mishkan, in the tabernacle, then there was a middle bolt, bolt that secured together all the boards by passing through all of them. So this physical representation in the Mishkan, in the physical Mishkan, is a reflection of this, of a spiritual aspect of this idea of truth. What truth does is it connects the highest of all levels to the lowest of all levels. And it's this middle point that kind of connects all of them. And every level has to pass through. It's sort of like the litmus test. Of like, is this a true thing? Whether it's a very high level or a very low level, it has to pass through this level of, of this middle level in order for it to be truth. And goes on and describes this attribute of truth as being a nachala blim metzarim, an unbounded inheritance, meaning to say that it has no upper limit and it has no lower limit. 
And all the lower levels are considered like not and nothing to like the higher levels above them. So again, the way that we can understand this is in terms of, I think that analogy of like the different grades is a good way to think about this. Is that like, let's say if you're teaching math to a, to a second grader, you know, and you're teaching the second grader just how to add like one plus two equals three, you know, that kind of thing. So that's like one level of truth and it's really, really true. But then once you get to the higher levels, whether sixth grade, you know, eighth grade, university level, whatever it is, then when we're talking about math, when we're talking about addition on that level, it's going to look really different. You know, we're going to get into, uh, we might end up getting into cal calculus. We might get, end up getting into irrational numbers, right? And it's like, there's no comparison between like these higher levels of math and the second grade math, but yet it's all math and it's all addition and it's all the same principles of, you know, one plus two equals three, you know what I mean? But it's, it's really looking at it from different levels. So the same thing applies here is that truth has many, many levels to it, but yet it all centers around one central point. So whether you're a Tzadik, whether you're a Benoni, whether you're a lower level Benoni, a higher level Benoni, whatever it is, we can all access truth. And that's the amazing thing about truth is that it's uh, accessible to everybody on their particular level. And now in conclusion, just to really emphasize this point about how the higher levels and the lower levels are really very incomparable to one to each other, the ultra uh, concludes with a, with a parenthesis here where he says that the students of Kabbalah know this idea where they understand that the aspects of the head and the mochim, like the intellect of the lower levels are much lower than the aspects of the heels and the feet of the higher levels. As the sages taught, and this is a, a citation from the Gemara in Masechet Chagiga, page 13a, Reglei HaChayot Keneged Kulan, that the feet of the Chayot, which is a type of angel, are higher than all of them. So meaning to say that when we talk about feet, when we talk about head, you know, brain versus feet, what do you think is higher? So it sounds like at first that the brain is higher than the feet, right? The head is higher than the feet, but it depends where on the map you're looking. So it's like, if we're talking about the lower levels, then the, the head, which is like the highest level, let's say of a lower level is actually lower than the feet of the level that's, that's below it. So again, going back to the analogy of the students in, in uh, school, the top student in the second grade class is still going to be much lower down and much more limited in their knowledge than the you know, dumbest students in the sixth grade class, most likely, right? So that's the basic idea. So that's the end of the section for today. So then just in conclusion for all of this, bringing it all together, this idea of imposter syndrome, this idea of, you know, are you a hypocrite when you do different things, when you're acting as if holy or whatever, and your insides don't match your outsides? The answer is absolutely not. Because there's an understanding. God has an understanding. The altar of it has an understanding. The Tanya has an understanding of our humanity. And it's written, this book is written for us as humans. It's written for the Benoni. There's not even an expectation of us becoming a tzaddik, of us transforming our insides totally and completely. And that's not, that That doesn't matter. What we really need to focus on is focusing on, uh, on uh, refining our garments, our thought, speech, and our action. And yes, during prayer to try to arouse these feelings of love of God at auspicious times, praying, you know, learning that kind of thing and not be so concerned with the fact of like, you know, will these feelings stay within us permanently or not? Because first of all, 
when we're experiencing these feelings, they're real feelings. They're not fake. They're not made up. And secondly, the fact that we can continuously arouse these feelings, especially with practice, shows that there is something permanent about them. So sure, are we tzaddikim? No. And it's good to not have that delusion and to recognize where we're at and to recognize how far we are. You know, we don't want to be um, like if it, like, again, if I went, went in to teach that yoga class with this like sense of grandiosity that I'm the best yoga teacher in the entire world like that would be kind of delusional right it's good to kind of be aware of where you're at sometimes you can even say if you're about to give a presentation you can say like you know um, I'm kind of nervous I haven't done this a lot that's that's there's nothing wrong with that sometimes that actually puts the people at ease but at the same time it doesn't diminish from your worth it doesn't diminish from the value of the truth that you bring to the table and we all have truth on our levels so that's it for today and we will continue tomorrow when we begin a new chapter in Lugutamarum chapter 14 and I will speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather Abraham Yitzhak ben Benyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Taught project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.